and welcome to Voyager, A Theological Journey. I'm Captain Rainway, and this is my unruly crew. I'm Will Nicholas. And I'm Lindsay Cullen. Marching meta-narrative is that they're going as fast and as hard as they can, you know, back towards Federation space. No, they're not. They're poking their nose into everything, and that really annoys me, I have to say see and hear all of our quirks and foibles as we work together as a team. Greetings friends and welcome to Voyager, A Theological Journey. Today we're exploring a strange, a strange happening. After a transporter malfunction, Tuvok and Neelix emerged into a single being in the search for a way to restore them to their original forms a moral dilemma is faced as the new being does not wish to be terminated. Well, I thought that this was a fantastic episode for our purposes. It may not have been the greatest episode of Star Trek ever, but in terms of raising ideas and issues and moral dilemmas, zero-sum games and whose voice is being heard, this was... this. Uh, episode had it all and and I've been really looking forward to uh, grappling with this one with you guys uh, I, I just think this is a fantastic um, prompt for ethical dilemmas yeah I'd agree it's a good prompt for ethical dilemmas um, it did explode my uh, credulity gene it just went to pieces after watching this and that's sad but I'm willing to suspend my disbelief to discuss those dilemmas Science fiction's been playing around with this concept since the uh, 1950s um, with the, uh, the, the horror, um, The Fly, where uh, a transporter accident merges a scientist and a fly that unwittingly gets caught inside their, their uh, experiment. Uh, and later on, we see uh, Jeff Goldblum um, um, throwing up on food and then uh, re-eating re it again with the uh, acidic um, bile of his stomach acid. Uh, in in the further classic uh, horror, the fly. Um, so we we we're not. This is not a, an an unknown concept that transporter technology might actually result in strange mergers. Well, I've actually watched the fly, and I'm surprised because most of popular stuff, as you well know, I haven't seen. But I have seen that particular horror movie and the original one, and I found it exploded my credulity genes as well. I, I guess I guess the thing with any science fiction is that you know it it's it's taking a premise which may or may not be believable, but it, it allows us to look at a particular situation uh, from different aspects and and to uh, play around with it. But having said that, I don't think it's quite as if you if you believe that uh, transporters are at least, um, you know, a, a possibility, then I don't think that this merger uh, becomes uh, quite such a, a, an impossibility. I mean, they're both pretty hard to take, but if, if you're happy to go with transporters, then surely this is not that big a leap further. Once you start taking the atoms apart and, and putting them back together again, um, I, I think you're in for a bit of trouble. Um, I think there are three really dangerous things <coughs> Excuse me. I'll take that out. I think there are three very dangerous things you can do on Star Trek. One is use the transporters. 
Uh, one is go into a holodeck, and the third one is wear any kind of red. So you know, um, it, it, it seems that these, you know, that, that transporters are are more dangerous uh, than they're worth, as our as our uh, Doctor McCoy would say on a regular basis. Well, I've always thought them as something that's probably implausible at this point in time and dangerous. I've never understood the ease in which the Star Trek crew just say, "Well, we'll just." pop down to here or over to there or up somewhere else and and use this technology. It's always struck me as a bit random and dangerous, but that's just me. I'm not steeped in Star Trek, so maybe I just need to get used to it. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you can imagine, uh, you know, in the early days of aviation, um, regular people feeling exactly the same way. Am I really going to step onto this huge metal object, which they tell me is going to fly through the air for hours on end? You know, I'm not sure that I want to trust that. I still don't trust it. I get on the things, (laughs) but they still give me the heebie-jeebies in some ways. (laughs) I often find it fascinating to reflect on, the way in which technology changes our world. Um, so even things like the mobile phone, which has disconnected us from having to uh, be connected by a curly wire in somewhere in our kitchen to be able to make a phone call. The idea that there was only one communication device in a household. Um, you know, the mobile phone has, has made tremendous shifts in the way that we relate and community works. And if we were to, to, to come up with this transporter technology, uh, imagine being able to um, step through a portal and, and, and be in the south of France or, uh, you know, or, or, or go and visit the pyramids of Egypt. The, the possibilities are, are absolutely endless and it would make um, travel time uh, and, and catching up with people um, a, 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 a really easy thing. Not to mention the medical benefits that, that that seem to be ascribed to the transporter technology as it's evolved over time in Star Trek. Well, I don't know anything about the medical benefits other than the fact it saved the life of um, the pregnant lady. Uh, I can't think of a name um, when her baby got stuck with its horns, or and they yep. could transport mm, it Wildman. out. Yeah. Yeah. Samantha Wildman. Yeah. I think what Will's referring to is that they have episodes where they talk about the uh, transporter technology filtering out, um, uh, you know, bacteria or deleterious uh, viruses or that kind of thing uh, because of its ability to, you know, tell one one, uh, particle from another, one atom from another. Um, Yeah, uh, so to get into the, the actual story, I mean... Uh, putting aside the the implausibility or not, this is a fantastic story, um, and and uh, I've I've been looking for quotes of the week, and and I thought I'd come across my quote of the week uh, when uh, Tuvix is saying I've been poked and prodded in organs that I didn't even know I had, but then within a minute I came across the even better quote from uh, the doctor talking to Janeway about Tuvix and saying. According to my tests, he's quite correct when he says he possesses Tuvok's knowledge and expertise. He also possesses Tuvok's irritating sense of intellectual superiority <laughs> and Neelix's annoying ebulence. So I thought, you know, that's that's pretty good, you know. And that that's Tuvix, isn't it? He he's got the best of both and the worst of both in this wonderful mixture that uh, I don't know about you, but I, I came to love and to really uh, mourn. Uh, when Tuvix is no more. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought he became quite endearing. Um, and um, it was a pity there wasn't some way of preserving all three of them, but that wasn't going to happen. But he certainly um, smoothed off the rough edges, both off the Neelix character and off um, Tubok, I thought. Yep. I think we shouldn't underestimate the influence of the orchid in the merger as well. Um, I think that that perhaps that uh, that that floral arrangement might have actually have um, added something to both of them as well. You think so? And, and and I think Elizabeth, you've you've put your finger on something which I I was um, lying in bed going to sleep and sort of just you know running over things in my mind and and it that question came to me, why not have all three at the end? Because I, I, I don't think there's anything about transporter technology that actually means you couldn't. Uh, you know, when, when they um, create, uh, you know, a, a coffee or a, an Earl Grey hot uh, for Picard or whatever it is, they, they just create that, um, you know, newly formed uh, thing uh, using energy, uh, which is, of course, a form of matter, as Einstein taught us. Or perhaps, I don't know, maybe they have for storage purposes some other kind of easily stored matter that they use. But somehow they're able to come up with a, uh, an Earl Grey, which he can then go ahead and, and drink in the normal way. So why not have all three? Um, it it makes me wonder if the only reason is the sort of a squeamishness about, you know, do we want to have this person who shares our memories around? Well, there would be some dilemmas around that, I would have thought. I mean, could Tuvok and Neelix actually fully trust this character if all three were managed to, um, to be preserved? Um, it would be disconcerting knowing there was another being with all your memories and feelings and, and knowledge I think, roaming around. And, of course, if we'd gone to that solution to the problem, it would not have posed the ethical dilemmas that the episode clearly wanted to pose, you know, in terms of what Janeway's decision is. You're right, too, in that, that uh, Lindsay, that they, they can, that there have been transporter accidents that have created such duplication. So we've got the, the other famous transporter accident from Next Generation where Thomas Riker is produced... Um, um, as an, an exact copy of Will Riker, and they both have the same feelings. And we get a similar kind of interplay here between Tuvix and Kess as we had between Thomas Riker and, and uh, Deanna Troy. So there, there, there are all these interpersonal issues about what makes me me uh, and uh, how do I know I feel what I feel and can others that are the same as me or like me feel the same way. And so there's some really interesting metaphysical questions that this episode raises for us as well. Yes, I think you're right. That that question of what makes me me. And, and I, was, I was playing around with this whole thing in my head and trying to ask myself the question, how would I feel like if, if, if I knew for some reason that I was going to get merged with someone else, would I feel that, that I was dying? And I, I have to say that I don't know that I did. I, I, I think, you know, I mean, it's not real, so it's hard to know how you would really feel in this situation, but I, I felt a sense of, of anticipation and of, uh, you know, what, what an adventure. And I think it's for me because... Um, probably when I think about what makes me me, it's my memories more than a particular configuration of my body or even my personality, which, you know, can change and develop and 
uh, move over the course of your lifetime. And so provided uh, there was a being that held those memories and, and, and remembered those things, I, I think I'd still feel that it was kind of me and maybe it would be a different me, uh, you know, with bits of Elizabeth mixed in. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't think I'd feel like I would have died. Mm, that's an interesting one because when it comes to your relationships with others, that's when I think the crunch point comes. You know, and when Kess reminds Tuvix that Tuvok has a wife, it's not just about how Neelix feels about her and how she's relating to someone who isn't Neelix. I think it gets much more complicated when you look at family and relationship. Well, and, and I mean, the captain also faces this issue, like her trusted advisor and her her her, her cook and... Uh, local guide kind of joined into one um you know does create some some issues of what does the relationship look like i did have a question for you lindsay though you know in an ideal situation if we could merge you with someone who do you think you might select to be merged with uh and and become a a new entity with look uh, you know i had um uh, one one of our fans uh, darren wright uh, knew that tuvix was coming up on the playlist and uh, so we'd been having a little conversation and he actually posed exactly that question uh, so i was thinking about it and and i have to say that the thing that came to mind is during my um late teens 20s and 30s i i had uh, a very close friend um who um uh, I did a lot of collaborative work with, we, we ran a drama team together and wrote lots of uh, different uh, scripts for things and uh, did um, uh, work, uh, you know, um, writing um, uh, scripture lessons or d uh, dr dramatic stuff for scripture lessons and uh, training people in, in uh, radio plays and all that sort of stuff. And, and that was the person who came to mind because I think that we had that sense of working so well closely together. And it was because uh, we shared some things but were quite different in other ways that I think, you know, that would be an interesting melding for me. So, yeah, I, I did spend a little time thinking about that. What, what about you two? I have spent no time thinking about this. <laughs> the question had not even occurred to me. And as you were talking, I was thinking about that. And I thought the person I have worked with most closely over the years is John, who's my spouse. And um, I would probably say John, which would be rather interesting, given we're different genders, um, how that meld would come about. But um, he's probably the person that, you know, I'm closest to that, I might consider doing that with, maybe. <laughs> and it's an interesting um, thing you raised there, Elizabeth, because the whole concept of shipping um, has become a, 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 it's a, it's a term that's come into vernacular. We, we, I think it started with uh, the whole Brangelina thing yeah. with uh, um, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Um, and so this kind of merging of names um, when relationships have come together um, really raises this idea of, you know, when when we're forming that close kind of connection with someone that we almost are looking at shipping those names, regardless of whether it be a, a romantic or, or platonic or any kind of relationship, um, is, is when we're merged in that way, what happens when it's time or, or it's necessary to pull them apart, that there is a, there's a tremendous amount of grief um, when, when, when a relationship reaches a point where one person isn't 
as sure where they end and the other begins that 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 has to come apart and we see that strongly in this episode mm. I, I I was wondering, um, you know, I, I think you're quite right, Elizabeth, uh, on, on reflection that, you know, there's there's something about the relationships, because I think that, uh, you know, I, I do think, and there's a, quite a bit of interesting research on identity, that identity is formed by relationships with others as much as by, you know, y- your own sort of uh, self-will or, or whatever. But, but, I think there is something about different character types and the way they would look at a situation like this. And you'll be proud of me, Will. I I went to board games um, and I was thinking about a a board game that I got recently called Ankh. And uh, one of the things that's uh, quite controversial in the board game community about Ankh is that it it has a mechanism where about two-thirds of the way through the game... Uh, there's the possibility that the lowest two players uh, will uh, not be entirely eliminated, but will be merged to become one playing entity, which the two uh, players both control uh, equally and and, uh, the resources that they've developed are are put together with a certain formula, etc. And and it's been interesting that that some people in the board game community hate this mechanism. Like they they love everything else about the game, but they hate the merge mechanism. Um, and and other people don't seem disturbed by it at all and say, oh no, it was fine. It it, it was quite good. It was a bit of a catch up, so that the the two lower players actually had some extra things by being merged together that meant that they could catch up to the other players and and I wonder whether there's a personality thing in there about how strongly we feel our, our sense of me and and how this idea of a merge or a demerge would um, be viewed it's probably represented in some ways about how collegial people are when they are working with each other and how in family dynamics how equally people see each other within that family dynamic um, because if you're someone who likes to make your own decisions and work for yourself, whether you're doing that as a professional, whether you're doing that as your hobby or, you know, uh, running your life, then you're not going to be happy about being merged and having to share stuff with someone else and, and actually collaborate in terms of decision making. So I think you're right, Lindsay, there is a personality type or types um, involved in what you're saying. We also had a fairly significant merging controversy at last night's games night at Guff Geelong. Um, uh, Michelle Kaufman was playing a game, a big fan, shout out to Michelle, and, and had to leave. Uh, and so someone else had to take over um, her position in the game. And, and uh, I know that's also a very controversial thing that happens amongst board gamers when, when you have to leave a game and somebody else jumps into the seat and there's this moment where you're going, okay, do I play this game as me? Do I try to follow the strategy the person had before me? Or do I come up with a new strategy? Or do I merge them together? And a, a, a big hat tip to Josh, who actually managed to merge the, the strategies together um, and uh, and come that to get, uh, bring the game uh, forward without us really feeling like we'd lost what we'd invested in it. But that that word investment's a big mm. one. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Neelix and, and Tuvok had invested... an entire lifetime in being who they were and how they dressed and how they, and I I love the fact that the clothing merged um, that the, that the, when he first appeared, Tuvix is in this kind of strange 
mishmash of security uniform and Neelix's fashion, um, which was really interesting. Yes, yes, it was. It was a it was a great uh, little visual cue there. Um, and yeah, look, that investment of the lifetime, that's interesting, isn't it? And uh, uh, one of the things that this whole episode led to for me is, is this question of disentangling and to what extent is it possible? Um, you know, and, and I mean, clearly, uh, as we've discussed um, it's very unlikely that we're ever going to have technology that leads to us having to disentangle merged people. But we have many examples of things that 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 possibly could be disentangled. But the question is, is that good and how would it happen? And is it possible? And uh, my mind sort of ranged from fairly mundane examples. And I, I was remembering being on a, a tour um, uh, through um, Rome and uh, the, the tour guide was pointing out a particular old building and how that building had been put together by scavenged pieces from older buildings, you know, so that they'd, they'd torn down a 3,000-year-old building where it had fallen over or whatever and people had scavenged columns and bits of it and used it in, in their own building, which was only 2,000 years old. And, and you know, he raised the question, you know, as we then look at things like this, we have to ask the question. So should we pull that column out and try and recreate the 3,000-year-old building? Or is that actually desecrating an equally important bit of 2,000-year-old history uh, in the way that this building was put together using parts from other things? Um, what is restoration? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. But then my mind then went on to even more difficult issues like, you know, how do you unravel the Middle East? You know, how, how do we how do we actually deal with that? How do you unravel colonialism? How, how do we unravel Australia's history? Uh, is it possible? And I think one of the things that that this episode plays with is this idea of, OK, a situation lands in your lap. Is there some sense in which it's OK to pull that apart to go back to something previous or as Tuvix um, argues, you know, I'm here and that was a tragedy and a, an accident, but I'm here. Don't do an injustice to me in order to try and get back to what, what you had before. Mm, I'm not sure that I would rate the two scenarios of you pose them equally. I think that there's always questions of when you're looking at history about how you might rectify something and what you preserve and what you don't preserve. And I know they go through that looking at Victorian buildings that plastered over some medieval thing. And do you preserve the integrity of the evolution of the house, for instance, or do you actually revert back to the medieval part and, and put it back together? Um, I think that's a different scenario when you're looking at two discrete living beings that were accidentally merged together um, who have their own relationships, their own lives, their own minds, their own way of thinking and doing things um, than if you're looking at a house or even a sense of, you know, colonialism. You can't really go back and unravel and fix that by unraveling it. You've really got to start fresh and say, all right, let's acknowledge what we did wrong and let's try and do it right this time. I'd don't think they're the same thing as when you're dealing with living entities. Especially when you've got them 
being complimentary as well. Like my, my quote of the week, uh, Lindsay was, was when they came into the kitchen and, uh, yeah. and, and Tuvix comes in and says, everybody out, this is my space. And they said, on whose authority? And he says, well, chief of security or head cook, take your pick. Um, either way, you know, the jurisdiction was there. And, and, um, and for me, that raised a question about, about loyalty as well. Like the reason why the crew continued to look for a way to bring them back was because they were loyal to, to uh, Tuvok and Neelix. Um, and they, they betray um, Tuvix. Uh, I, I think Tom Wright uh, as an actor did an absolutely magnificent job at the end of this episode where he's pleading with the crew on the bridge and, and running and trying to resist this, 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 attack on his person that's coming um i i, I was very moved I, I i actually for the first time um uh, disliked janeway mm. um when i was watching this episode yep. um, this time i didn't like the way she had to portray it and i think she did have to portray it that way um but i agreed with her decision i thought the lives of neelix and tuvox actually a uh, tu tuvok counted for more than somebody who was caused by a freak accident because they have history and because they have families and because they have relationships. Um, and that's not to say that Tuvix wasn't, for me, a likeable character. He clearly is and he's clearly competent. And if it was just him and there was none of that other history, people would embrace him, I'm sure, and take him and he would be a good crew member. But because there is that history and because he is an accident, um, I thought that Janeway's right when she says she's speaking for Tuvok and Neelix, who I'm quite sure did want to be restored. I, I, I think you're going down a very, very worrying pathway there, Elizabeth. I mean, um, the, it immediately, you know, for me, raises the question of organ donation. And, you know, would we require someone to give up their life because we can save two other people by using their organs? And I think the answer is we would say no, absolutely of not. We would. I would say no We're in to the that. Trolley program. But this is something that this is a created being from an accident from two other created beings. It's not the same as an organ donation at all, where you're talking about two absolutely separate life forms that have lived their life as two absolutely separate life forms. It's just one has unfortunately ended and and donated their organs to keep the other one alive. I, I don't think the situations are the same. I'm sorry. Well, no, because I'm not talking about, you know, organ donation after someone's dead. I'm talking about harvesting their organs like the Vidians. Oh, on the I, don't, basis, no, I don't agree On with the that. basis that, you know, we're saving two lives and ending one, which is exactly the, the proposal that you're putting forward. No, end the no, one no. life, End the one life of Tuvix in order to bring back, uh, you know, two others. Yes, uh, but he is those others. That's the whole point. He is those others. Well, if he is those others, then why? Why do we need to, you know, end his existence? And I, I did like that there was a moment where they said, oh, well, there are people we can't, there are voiceless people who we can't consult here. And Tuvix replies by saying, well, actually, I carry the consciousness of both of those people and I'm, I'm fairly happy. Um, we are fairly happy with the decision um, that when they consult. Now, I guess you've got to work in Tuvix's personal survival bias. Yes, that's there. right. Um, but, but there is a sense in which... Um, that 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 Tuvix carries the consciousness of Tuvok and Nilix. Uh, look, I, I think it's one of those really messy grey areas mm. that we'll never. We could debate for for hours and never um, come to a 
to a, to a happy or healthy conclusion. Uh, I think in the end, what Janeway had to do was actually pick a course yep. and and hold to it um, without question, um, because any kind of wavering would have caused a massive dilemma for her and and terrible tremors to the crew. I agree with that, and it was clear the true crew to me thought that um, Neelix and Tuvok should be restored. And the other people in this are Tapel and um, Kess, of course. I didn't think it's just up to Tuvix. I really didn't think it was just up to him to be calling the shots here because there's so much else that needs to be thought about and consulted about. He's there as an accident of a transporter thing. He might carry their memories, but how's he going to be husband to Tapel and lover to Kess? How's he going to work that one out? Um, I just felt that there was more people stacked up on one ethical side of this dilemma than there was with him. I get that he... I don't agree it was an execution because he's not getting his head chopped off or being run through with a sword or shot. All that's happening is... He's still dead. He's just going back to what was. Uh, See, I I think, uh, you know, the thing that worries me is that uh, we seem to be putting so much emphasis on this how he came into being. You know, he's an accident, so he doesn't count. Or he's an accident, so he's not worth as much as a normal human being. And we don't have to, you know, give the same ethical consideration. And I think it's exactly that kind of bias that leads to the way people treat the doctor. Um, And and I, I, I think it's wrong. I think to this is absolutely right to say however he came to be, he is. And if we believe that he's a thinking, um, breathing human being with a soul, whatever that means, whether we see that as just a way of describing the characteristics, uh, uh, ability to think and reason and so forth, or whether we think it's something more, um, you know, who are we to say his life is not worth as much as these other two lives, so we're going to get rid of him. Well, I'm going to say there's, it. Sorry. <laughs> there's a there's a there's another side to this that makes it even trickier. There's an untalked about um, 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 dark side in my family um, that 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 might suggest that the timing of my birth would make me unintentional. Um, and oh that, that, that was actually a premarital unintentionality only by about, you know, six weeks, but there's a, there's, there's, it comes up every now and then in family gatherings. So in, in, in that perspective, I'm an accidental creation. Um, so there's some, there's some interesting thoughts around ab- abortion, um, and, and what it means to terminate life that maybe is, or maybe isn't life, um, at, at, at that has come about by accident. Um, in, in this as well, which is a a, a really, really difficult ethical question no, to work not. through. No, it's not. Sorry. If you don't have a uterus, you don't get to pronounce on the ethics of abortion. Oh, I'm not <laughs> pronouncing. I'm just saying that it's actually, I, I, I don't think anyone could deny that it's actually a, a, an emotionally difficult and complex issue is. that, um, that, that really raises... Um, some very, very, very strong feelings in people, both directions. And, and I would say a, a, an emotionally difficult and complex area in which uh, many of us feel very strongly that, as you put it, um, Elizabeth, there is a, a person who is in the best place to make this decision and it's yeah. not, you know, a male watching onward or exactly. one might, might even say it's not a captain uh, looking on from the outside. 
Well, she again, I would say it's different. You're talking about a single life with abortion, if you do call it a life, which I probably wouldn't early on. Um, and it's it's created in and of itself. It's not been merged by two separate thinking entities, sentient beings into one being. That's the thing that's the sticking point for me when you're using these mm. analogies because and the accidental creation of one sentient being out of two is important, the fact it was accidental. Tuvok and Neelix did not give their permission for this to happen to them. So I, I look, agree with what, Janeway that she has to be their voice. They did not give their permission for this. And if asked, they would want to be restored. So that's why I'm sticking to this narrative. Yeah, I get that. And and I think that's 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 true. And I mean, what we're doing here is teasing out something that is really, really complex. But I think to throw in the added complexity, as we were talking before about a, a woman's right to choose. And absolutely, I would never um, question that. But in this in this Voyager scenario we've got, we've actually got Seska creating a life form on behalf of Chakotay without his choice. And so we actually have a very interesting dynamic here where we're saying, well, does Chakotay have a right to have a say about how his how his um, um, procreative power is actually used in this situation. Um, did Seska have the right to actually access the DNA to produce a baby that he he wasn't um, wasn't willing or, or or wanting to be a part well, of? Well, I would say no. Um, and then no, she did not. And then does he have a right to participate in the life of that child now that child exists? So, it, yeah, it's um, that, it's it's a very interesting. Um, if it is, of course, um, Jakoto's child, because there is the possibility, of course, it's whatever his name is. Marge Collar. Marge Collar. It's, there's that possibility there. And no, she didn't have the right to Nikki's DNA and impregnate herself if that is indeed what she has done. And if that is what she has done, I would say if it is his child, he does have the right to be involved with it if that's what he wants to do. Um, that's just what I think. And I feel the whole abortion issue, to come back to that, is more, in my opinion, with many males particularly, about power um, than it is about ethics. And when you look at the rise of the abortion movement, anti-abortion movement, if you like, among the evangelical churches of America, it does follow a certain trajectory. It wasn't always a big issue. It's now become a big issue. Um, and having a look at why that is so, it is as much about controlling women as it is about an ethical fight for what they see as an unborn child. So uh, the other thing that, that occurred to me as I was thinking through the, the morality and all the different strands of this was um, that I wondered whether there is something here in terms of a bias against mixed types um you know that there and and the thing that came to mind for me was the the old testament uh purity and dietary laws and and you know one reading of that being that it's it's about um uh, a bias towards pure types you know we we like our our um uh you know uh four-footed animals to to have a certain form and if they have a different form then they're unclean or we like our our, our sea animals to have a certain form and if they they look different and they look mixed then they're unclean and and i wonder whether there's this bias um you know showing here that somehow there's something distasteful 
about the idea that that Tuvix is this melding and then, and while you said will that it was it was interesting to see you know how both clothing and also his uh, physical features mm. were blended together um i wonder whether there's sort of an uncanny valley distaste uh, that goes on that that somehow you know we want our pure Tuvok or our pure Neelix and not this uh, weird mix of the two and and whether that's part of the dynamic. I'm not sure it is simply because you've got a lot of mixed species children, um, if that's the right word. I'm not sure what the right Star Trek word is on Voyager itself. You know you've got Balana for instance. And we meet other ones. There doesn't seem to be a problem in the Star Trek universe if two consenting adults from different alien races get together and produce a child that has features of both. Um, and, and Ensign Samantha um, is an example of that. Clearly her husband isn't like she is. There does not seem to be a problem on Star Trek with that sort of thing. So I'm not sure. I think it could be a problem in our world where interracial marriage and was frowned upon horribly mm. and still is in certain sectors. But it doesn't seem to me in the Star Trek universe it is a problem. It's only a problem this time because this character happens to have absorbed two adult characters that were already in existence. It certainly um, has been an issue for Star Trek in its history. Um, if you watch the episodes of Enterprise, you'll see that when uh, T'Pol and Trip Tucker um, are, are, um, have a baby together um, that it actually almost causes a civil war on mm. Earth um, where a Vulcan and a, and a human have actually uh, produced offspring and so so certainly in, in the history of the Star Trek universe it's something that they had to come to terms with and something we will have to come to terms with i mean I, and and as a human race i think we we've had to as we've we've kind of come across that there's been lots of uh, apartheid and segregation uh, and as lindsay said in the in the bible there there's there's purity laws around mixing um race um and and um and nationality um uh, you know to who who can be in and who can be out so um yeah i think i think it's a it's a question that that of othering that we've actually had to deal yeah. with every time we discover a new other that's actually very much beyond our understanding or comprehension. And there's always voices against doing that. Like at the moment, I'm leading a study on the Book of Ruth and it's very clear that the Book of Ruth is meant to be some sort of antidote to Ezra and Nehemiah's nationalism where they're all just, you know, offended and horrified that they've polluted the pure race by marrying foreign women. Um, and Ruth is clearly making a statement about that when, you know, it notes that she's a Moabite, but look at how wondrous she is and she isn't in fact the beloved king david's great grandmother so there's always voices to the contrary i think in our history they haven't always been dominant but they're always there and in a sense that's hopeful i think that they are there but it just seems to me in watching voyager there's it's and i don't know all the other series but it's never been an issue when two races are together like neelix and kess and kess when she was going through whatever it was called her ocompa thingy um, when she could have gotten pregnant, she was very happy to have Neelix as the father. I just wanted to circle back to Ruth um, because we, we talked about Job and I think Ruth a couple of weeks ago um, and, and and some of the listeners that I've spoken to have said, oh, we're not as familiar with these stories um, from the Bible as we might be. So Ruth is a book of the Old Testament um, and, and begins with this 
this fantastic sentence that says, in the days when the judges rules, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. It's it's an exciting epic tale um, that that could easily find itself somewhere in the midst of Game of Thrones or no, Tolkien's it epic, epics. It's a pantomime, no. Will. <laughs> it's not an so epic tale. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a sense in which it, it, it for those who might suggest that the Old Testament or the Bible is boring or that it's uninteresting. I'm, what I'm saying is that there's some rich character yes. characters in this. There's a there's a there there are dynamics of uh, of stress and crisis. And, uh, people trying to work out how to be during difficult times like we might find in the movies and TV shows we like to watch. Uh, so I'd encourage you to have a look at Ruth. Uh, it's not, not very long. It's only five Four chapters, chapters long, I think. Four chapters long. So it's actually um, a, a, a worth having a look if you've decided that the Bible is a boring piece of literature that isn't worth your time. Um, Ruth and Job, uh, Jonah, you know, they're, they're worth having a look at because they, um, even, even from a from a purely literally liter, literary perspective, they provide um, a, a really entertaining and engaging read. Yeah, and, sure. and they do. Relating to our, our topic today, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the very uh, heart of Ruth is about uh, relational loyalty and, you know, what does that mean and, and how, how do you honour past relationships and how do you look to new relationships and uh, so, yeah, it's a great one to uh, relate to our topic. I wanted to come back to, to uh, Tuvix and this mixing because, uh, you know, I, I suggested is there... Can yeah, I... So can I quickly plug something before you do? You know how I love to plug. <laughs> um, we know that. I, I was re- I, I, at um, the Sonder, Odd Sonder, uh, which is part of the Sonder Collective on Monday night. We had uh, Associate Professor Sean Winter, who's the uh, the head of the Theological College down here in Victoria. Um, and, um, and and he brought to my attention that the name of the two sons, Mahalon and Our Krillion. Sickness and Consumption. Uh, Sickness and consumption. Correct. So, if you'd like to check out some more information about that, on my um, website oddrev.com, I wrote about red shirts and the Old Testament because the reality is um, those two names really mark those characters as red shirts. You know, the the moment they appear on screen, we actually, if we're aware of the the history and the and the naming there, we're aware that something terrible is going to happen to well, them. Well, yes, we don't have to wait very long. No, so, they die. So. So check out oddrev.com, uh, Red Shirts and the Old Testament, um, and uh, it's uh, it'll give you a, a further insight into looking at I'd Red. also <laughs> add to that there's a lot of irony because Bethlehem means house of bread, and the irony is the house of bread has a famine, and they're forced to mm. Moab, which is the place that refused to give bread to Israel, which is why they're banned from the assembly. So the house of bread has no bread, and they have to go and live in the place that gave no bread because that's where there's bread now. It's wow. a comedy. And then, it's a pantomime. And then sickness, <laughs> sickness and destruction died. Yes, yeah. well, sickness <laughs> right. and wasting or consumption die. As you yeah. know, they're going to die. And no good people, they are not normal Hebrew names. It's a pantomime. So uh, yep. coming back to uh, Tuvix, and I, I suggested there might be a, a negative um, uh, approach to him because he's mixed. But the, the flip side of the coin is actually there's an interesting s- discussion about the idea that he might be better uh, than yeah. the two because he's mixed. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Chakotay talks about uh, how there's a saying that the whole is never greater than the sum of its parts. And I thought, what? But no. we have a whole word for that. Yes. Synergy <laughs> means, you know, when the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So I, I don't know what Ch- 
Chakotay was getting at. But that's an interesting idea too, isn't it? That the Tuvix is actually synergistic, that he is is better uh, than uh, Tuvok and Neelix because he brings together both the logic and clear thinking of Tuvok with the intuition and being able to leap to something quickly uh, that Neelix has. Uh, and, and we see that played out in a scene on the bridge where he's able to uh, fix a problem that Tuvok had said might take uh, seven or eight days or something. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's part of the reason that makes him so likeable because he is kind of the best of both if you know that's how he seems to me to be portrayed and I thought it was tragic that he had to go I mean I still stand by Janeway that he had to go but I thought it was a tragedy and I wanted a solution that preserved the three of them I really did um and obviously that wasn't going to happen because that would spoil the whole dilemma that Janeway faces and her steely determination in carrying out her decision um yeah, but it, it was a pity, I think, because he was something that was really good. It was interesting that coming from Chakotay, who comes from a racial grouping that is a merger of multiple cultures, yeah. um, you know, that we have got this this kind of Indigenous um, um, South American, um, Spanish, Latin, you know, that, that and, and, and how would you separate those now? How would you um, take them you, there, there aren't any take backs. We don't have a transporter technology that will actually sort that out. And, and would we want to, if we could, um, from a from a racial perspective? I think in terms of our DNA it, uh, that we've got from all the different races that feed in to make us us, I don't think we can because they've fed in in some way to make us the individuals that we all are. I don't think it's possible mm. to separate them out. And I think that's why. Australian Aborigines get very cranky when people talk about are you half or third or quarter yeah. or, you know, they don't see it that way. They see it as how they identify with their culture and their history and their family and their communities and that what's important. And they're always saying a cup of tea is still a cup of tea even if you put milk in it. So I'm not sure that that's a, a good argument to look at, you know, whether or not you could separate those things out because I think when you're talking about what makes us what we are, it's not the same as merging two full adult living beings. It's this long strand of inherited trays um, down the centuries. Now, I wanted to talk about a different kind of merger um, and, and, and actually draw our attention to the incarnation, where we actually get a merger between uh, the divinity of God uh, and the human being in Christ, um, and and uh, there's a there's a there's a tuvixness I think in the in the incarnation of Christ. Mm. Um, I, I've always wrestled with this in my head to say how can a being be totally God and totally human? Um, how can we how can we how, how, this doesn't make sense? How does all of God fit into to Jesus? Um, without being overwhelmed, um, how does Jesus reflect all of God through only a, a, a created part? It's a it's a fascinating question. Well, only if you buy the Trinity as an ontological concept. You're mm -hmm. suggesting you Go don't. On. No, yes, I, I am <laughs> suggesting I don't. I, I suppose you'd call me an economic Trinity Trinity person. I've no, I'm not into the ontological three persons in one. I think it's unbiblical. It was an apologist kind of movement that came about centuries later and I'm not convinced. So so then the person of Jesus is 
um, not connected to the spirit or the 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 creator what are they well the person of jesus is collected to the creator and the spirit in the um, economic trinity it's just not of the same being Mm-hmm. So, so I, I guess, I guess that you, what you're what you're getting at is that you know we we see God working through Jesus in one way, and we yes. see God working as Creator in another way. Yes. So, so the the economy uh, is the way in which God uh, engages with the creation in different uh, ways and forms and through different means. That's it, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. You said it better than I would explain it myself. Yeah, Did, didn't very very heretical, I have time. to say. <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't didn't we spend an awful lot of time as a, as a Christian community over the years trying to work out if uh, if if the if um, what is it the big God God uh, Jesus is is from god the spirit from like yes. what is it the filioque yes, yes. how does that actually come about does the spirit come um, from from uh, the father or from oh, the yes. father and the son yes, yes yeah, yeah. That's, so th- this was can, a this was a hotly tested contested argument wasn't from it? the gospel of john thanks john <laughs> uh, i mean i think uh you know the the thing that you identify there uh, will and elizabeth is that it is a mystery, and I think any time that we believe that in human terms we've we've got it all taped down and and we can understand it, you know, we're we're probably missing something. Yeah. Um. You know, and and I think I think for me that's the problem with some characterizations of Trinity is that it, it's it's like someone's worked out their little model and they say, and this is the truth. And and I immediately want to say I I don't think you've captured the truth in your human conception somehow. Yes, it's, I think you're right, Lindsay. It it is hard to nail down, though. I would still maintain that there's far more difficulties with an ontological trinity than there is with an economic one. But that's just my point of view, and I realise I'm probably in a minority, but that's okay. Oh, look, and I think this actually demonstrates to us the importance of the tuvics, um, that it's important that we have a tuvix pop up every now and then just to actually throw out everything we might have actually thought we'd had it all sorted out. That um, I've been watching Ted Lasso. Uh, and a lot of people <laughs> yes, have been watching yes. Ted Lasso. One of the things that he, he said um, in season one was this idea that, uh, that, that uh, don't be judgmental, be curious. Mm. Um, and I really like that as a mantra that there's this, a sense of when I encounter something that I haven't experienced before, that it's actually better to be curious than to actually come to a quick judgment or a hard position. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, that provides us with the opportunity to learn something and to, um, to discover something I new. I think that's right. I think rather than saying to someone, hang on, the sky's blue, not purple. It's better to say, explain to me why you see the sky pur- is purple. I'm really curious about how you perceive that. I think you, you can get far more dialogue and far more understanding and development of some sort of relationship if you're curious than you just come out and say, no, no, it's not, it's blue. I, I mentioned at the start of the, the program the idea of zero-sum games, and I think that that's important, and you were kind of touching on that when you were talking about disentangling DNA and could we and would we want to and, and so forth, because I think, for me, that's, that's a key to some of this. And, uh, Elizabeth, you, you said quite rightly that they had to get rid of Tuvix or at least they had to pose the problem as... Yeah. 
either Tuvix or Neelix and Tuvok um, in, in order to get the the uh, ethical dilemma and the and the tension they wanted for the episode. But the reality is that in 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 real human situations, so often that zero sum game approach that I can only win if you lose or you can only win mm. if I lose. Uh, sets us all the way down really bad paths and yeah. stops us from coming to good solutions. And I, I, I think, you know, we, talk, we talked earlier about disentangling colonialism. And I think for me, it seems like a large part of the resistance to uh, dealing uh, in Australia with uh, the, the terrible thing that happened to Aboriginal people in the colonisation of Australia is that people fall into a zero-sum game mentality and, and their thinking is to do right by Aboriginals means somehow to do wrong to everyone else. To, to, to do right by Tuvok and, and Neelix means you have to get rid of Tuvix. Uh, and I think that that's a real problem and we'll never move forward while we have this idea that it's it's an all or nothing, you know, um, zero sum game, we we actually have to find a way of saying how can how can we make things better for Aboriginal people, and how can we deal with the injustices of the past in a way which doesn't create a new injustice or or a new um, uh, difficulty, which is I think exactly what we see in the Middle East. Uh, you know, we're dealing with the injustice uh, over over centuries to the Jewish people uh, has caused an injustice to Palestinian people, and, and we can't seem to unravel that. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Lindsay. I think that's absolutely right, and I think that's played out in so many arenas where decisions are made. Even our adversarial parliamentary system, the way it has evolved, is reflecting that sense of, you know, we have to win and you have to lose rather than let's work together to find the best possible solution to move forward for the nation. And I think it's it's quite sad, actually, that we've evolved into that kind of position with so many things that we look at that are these wicked problems. And by wicked, I mean that term that it's very hard to untangle and actually identify the source and the solution to what the problem is. We certainly can't get away from the idea that unscrambling the egg um, has consequences. I mean, if I reflect on my own history and heritage, without the Second World War, I don't exist. Um, my grandparents never meet. Um, if I could go back and use technology to, 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 to stop the, that war from existing uh, or ever happening, I would not exist as the person I am today. And so the consequences for unscrambling that egg are, are dire. Mm. Um, there, there, there is a sense in which, you know, I, I wonder whether it's better ethically for us not to be able to um, take things apart or, or, or second guess them once they're done. If, if, they, if, if the crew never discovered a way to uh, unscramble Tuvix uh, and bring Neelix and Tuvok back, uh, I think eventually they would have actually be gotten used to a new normal. They would have gotten the 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 situation would have righted itself, um, and and no one would have known anything different. Maybe, may I wouldn't say it would right itself for Tuvok's wife. Well, she would have had to have worked it out. They would have had to have come to a understanding. Um, you know, like things like that happen all the time when people's situations change when when 
you know, that, that there is a sense in which um, life goes on and and it's it's only when we have the opportunity to, to shift or change. Oh, it looks like we just lost yeah, Lindsay. we did. He just disappeared. <laughs> I don't know. Have we, well, <laughs> have we scared him off, Will? <laughs> he might have merged into another oh, form no, of consciousness. Oh, no, that's right. <laughs> well, look, uh, um, I, 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 we're getting close to time anyway. Just while um, we we wait and see if Lindsay will will reemerge um, from wherever he's disappeared to, um, I wanted to mention because uh, I mentioned Ted Lasso before that in November I will be raising some um, money for men's health uh, for um, through November. Uh, so on uh, Monday evening, my beard comes off, um, and I'll be, I'll be wanting to grow a mustache for, uh, for November. Uh, so if you would like to support that, um, 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 for mental health for men, uh, for physical health and, and, and men's illness, um, then there'll be a link on the Facebook page for Never Old or Even, and you can support that. Oh, and and he's back. He is, like he's magic. Back. We 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 thought maybe that you had actually demerged from us. Didn't <laughs> the transporter had taken you away to turn you into something else. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what happened. You just both froze on my screen. I I I, I did a speed test and I still had internet, so I just uh, hung up and rejoined. Yeah. Well, I'm really pleased, uh, and they're not a sponsor, but if they'd like to be, it'd be wonderful to the support of Riverside FM, uh, who actually allow us to produce this podcast by um, by having us uh, connect together via the internet uh, and recording three separate wave files in its crystal clear uh, original content that I can then edit together later on. So, uh, and and I'm I'm really like a if if it weren't for that platform, you know, having Lindsay pop out and come back in again would have actually have caused the kind of dilemma um, that um, the Voyager crew had to face in this episode with uh, with Neelix and Tuvok. Mm, I'm not sure it's quite the same dilemma, Will. That could be understating things somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wanted to um, come back to what uh, Will was talking about when I I lost it, which was this sense that things happen and you have to you have to learn to live with it because that's another interesting conversation in the episode uh, between Janeway and Kess. Uh, when they don't know that they're going to be able to bring back Tuvok and Neelix, and and they're just talking about, you know, when do you let go? When when does Janeway decide? Actually, Mark is no longer part of my life, and I have to move on, whatever that looks like. It's interesting you say that, Lindsay, because that's next week she makes that decision, isn't it? <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, really? Um, so we're segueing. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to the to the love story and romantic interest that actually comes out of next week between uh, Chakotay and Janeway as they actually begin to <laughs> to make sense of their feelings for each other. Um, and uh, and it's it's just uh, being sarcastic, just... Will. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's an exciting Elizabeth is looking week. horrified now. <laughs> um, but but just just like this week's episodes brought us this question of life goes on, what do we do now? Um, you know, um, Janeway and Chakotay face this issue next week, and I'm looking forward to unpacking that one um, as we as we are and and, and it. I don't think it'll be science fiction's incredulity that will be stretched next week. <laughs> um, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it's the best relationship in Voyage we've had since the catfish of Jane Oh, no, Paris, not the catfish so. again, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, um, I think that's probably all we've got time for today. Um, it's been fabulous to look at Tuvix. Um, I have, since day one of starting this podcast, looked forward to getting to this point to actually be able to talk about this episode. It's it's one of really, I think, five episodes of the seven seasons of Voyager that I would list as ones that comes to mind very quickly. Uh, and when I'm talking to people about the series, they go, ah, oh, yes, I know that one, because it sticks in the brain because of its... um. I think really good writing, good acting, um, and um, uh, yeah, um, uh, and and asks deeper questions. Oh, absolutely! I think we could do you know an extra episode on this one. You know, a, a Patreon only uh, extra episode because we haven't talked about some of the really big things in it. You know, the morality of resistance, the 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 doctor's um, uh, decision at the end that he can't be part of it yeah. and you know what mm. what's the morality of that so yeah. much in this episode and it's been great to talk it over with yes, you. Yes it was certainly an entertaining episode to watch and you're right Lindsay it raised so many different ethical and moral dilemmas that you could talk about it for a lot longer than what we had and um, I did enjoy watching it and I note from reading the notes on uh, Memory Alpha that it rated quite highly it's a very popular episode it would seem with Star Trek fans absolutely uh, if you would like us to actually tease out um, something further from any of our Voyager episodes as a as a Patreon special uh, or 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 even to look at forming a panel to talk about a particular area of science fiction and faith, then we would love you to um, put that into the comments um, in Never Odd or Even. Um, we're open to requests. So if you'd like to look at the ethics of transporter um, uh, beams or the Hippocratic Oath in um, the uh, the Star Trek universe, um, then, you know, just as a couple of examples, then please let us know. Um, we're very keen to, to hear from you. Uh, and uh, I, I love the fact that uh, I, I upload the episodes every Wednesday and um, within a couple of hours of actually uploading the episode, uh, there's always, you know, uh, about 15 to 20 listens um, straight away. So I know that there are there are a bunch of you out there who are just waiting for us to drop each week uh, and excited. And we're, we're excited to um, to be there for you. Um, so... Um, yeah, yeah, drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking and what you'd like. Um, I think that's probably a good place for us to demerge for the day. Um, <laughs> and stop um, playing with your Photoshop, Will. I don't want any more things in my messenger that's merging all of us together. I, I, I like that idea. And, uh, you know, I, I was saying to Darren Wright that we should put out a call for fan art uh, for... Uh, for Will Linzabeth, uh, you know, the, the merged entity that, 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 that is our wonderful podcast. Uh, oh, what colour would the glasses be? Well, yes, indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm Will. And I'm Lindsay Charles Cullen. <laughs> I'm just Elizabeth Rain, I think. <laughs> And you've been uh, listening to the totally merged Voyjourn. <laughs> <laughs> no! Not the Voyjourn, no! <laughs>